When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verderam. Josh Hill is not in this week, but I am joined by my esteemed colleague and college football expert, Patrick Schmidt, who works alongside me here at Fansided, and we have a lot to get to. We're recording this on Thursday, April 4th. We are three weeks away exactly from the draft to be taking place down in Nashville. And, of course, there's a lot to talk about. I also spoke with former Texan safety Andre Howell, who retired earlier this week. He has a lot to say on why he retired, uh, who J.J. Watt is, if he's genuine or if he's a phony. A little bit of a hint, he's pretty genuine. And why the Patriots are going to be threatened by a few teams uh, here this year in the AFC. So we got into quite a bit with Andre, but first we'll get into the draft, as I said, three weeks away. And uh, Schmitty, I'll, I'll let you kind of lead off here. What intrigues you most about the draft as we get closer and closer? Well, first, it's got to be Kyler Murray, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Guy was outstanding at Oklahoma. Put a better numbers than Baker Mayfield did last year, and we all saw how well Baker make, Baker did in the uh, in his rookie season with the Browns. So uh, that's probably the biggest storyline for me in this draft, where he's going to go. Is he going to go number one Arizona? Is Arizona going to trade Josh Rosen? Maybe he goes to Oakland or some of those other quarterback needy teams at the top. So he's definitely story one for me. Story 1B is probably where all these great pass rushers are going to go. This is a loaded class for edge rushers, defensive linemen uh, in general. So uh, plenty of talent uh, if you're looking for a defensive lineman, if you're looking for a pass rusher. So for me, those are the top two storylines I'm looking forward to seeing playing out. You know, one of the guys, and look, I follow the NFL as closely as just about anybody, and I'd say you do the same for college football and so I'm curious your thoughts. Like one of the guys who gets talked about a lot is Rashawn Gary, He's a defensive end out of Michigan. And there's a lot of people who love him, and there's a lot of people who say he's not worth the top 20 pick because his tape's inconsistent. I'm curious your thoughts on that because, as you mentioned, there's so many edge rushers in this draft. I mean, there's so many guys who have seen that are safe picks, quote-unquote. How do you view Gary? Is he a top guy to you, or is he somebody who you take in the latter half of the first round? I'd definitely take him in the top half of the first round. He's a very good player, very good prospect, uh, a lot of untapped potential, really former top overall recruit coming out of, coming out of high school, uh, a lot of expectations on him, three-year starter at Michigan, uh, but just never really turned that potential into production, uh, and then he was really hurt for most of his junior year last year, so 
Uh, we didn't get to see him have that breakout final season where he gets 10, 12 sacks, 20 tackles for loss or something like that, and really just chuck off all the boxes uh, before going to the draft. So, you know, he's definitely got the traits to be a great NFL player. And, you know, if my NFL team were to take him in the top, you know, 8 to 15 picks or so, I'd be excited for the pick. Uh, but I'd want a, a very good defensive line coach, a veteran defensive line coach, a great defensive coordinator will be able to tap into those those traits and that potential and, and really bring out the best of what's yet to come from Gary. I'm really curious, too, to see how the three kids out of Clemson shake out because you've got Colin Farrell, you've got Dexter Lawrence, who's coming off of a little bit of a turbulent year. He's suspended toward the end of the year. Uh, and then, of course, as Christian Wilkins plays down inside. I'm very curious to see what the order is. It seems like Farrell is probably the guy who has the most momentum right now. And then Lawrence is like a borderline first round pick, but you watch that Clemson defense. Clearly that was the strength of it. And I, I think all those guys translate. And of course, most people would agree first round picks, but I'm just very intrigued to see what order those guys go in. Yeah. They were one of the best defensive lines I've seen in my lifetime in college football. And, you know, as great as Trevor Lawrence and that offense was, that defensive line was historically great. Um, yeah, if I were to power rank the, the defensive line prospects from Clemson, I'd probably go with Farrell, number one. Uh, he's got everything you look for in an edge rusher. Great size, great production, great tape. Played well in the national championship game against Jonah Williams. Dominated him, had him on skates all night long. So uh, I think he's a guy you plug in day one as a starter. Uh, and you don't have to worry about him for the next six, eight years or so. Uh, Christian Wilkins would probably be second on my list. Uh, Four-year starter. Really was. Jamie's Log. Progressive. The Harrington's Backyard. Day 4. 2.18 a.m. I've been camping outside the Harrington house for four days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. Mr. Harrington says I don't need to do this, since Progressive protects 24-7 is a pretty easy concept to grasp. But I'm going to stay and prove my point. Besides, there's a big tree branch over the roof, and I think it's planning something. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. The face of that team, uh, or face of that defense, and face of the team with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. So uh, really productive. The thing with Wilkins, though, I just kind of wonder if maybe he was helped up because he had so many great talents around him. Uh, He tested well at the Combine. You know, he's not an elite you know, measurables guy, elite traits guy, but just very, very, very good. Uh, so he's probably going to go in the top 20. Dexter Lawrence, man, this guy was a, a former top five overall recruit coming out. 6'4", 6'5", 350. Uh, you don't see many guys that size, and especially guys that size that can move. So uh, he's not just like your, uh, I guess, stereotypical, like, nose tackler or whatever that you just, like, you, you put his big body out there and you let him – you know, block it off for the linebackers to make plays. So uh, I think he'd play in a number of different schemes. Uh, you know, like you said, that uh, PED suspension that cost him the college football playoff, you know, that that's going to hurt him. That, that's going to cost him millions. There's there's no way around it. But uh, I think there was an isolated incident. Um, Dabo Sweeney, the Clemson head coach, said maybe Clemson inadvertently gave that to their players and – it's just it's just crazy, man. But, you know, I think he's probably going to go in the late 20s, bottom of the first round, top of the second. He's a load. And then they got guys like Huggins and Austin Bryan who are going to be, uh, you know, day three picks. Probably they go in the third round or so. Uh, but guys are going to help out and contribute as rookies. Uh, so, yeah, this Clemson defensive line, we're seeing the beginnings of, 
uh, this uh, this football factory that Clemson just churns out guys year in and year out. So uh, a great, great, great class of defensive linemen. Clemson's got three of them. You know, one of the guys that intrigues me the most, uh, and everyone who listens to this podcast knows you know, I grew up a Chiefs fan, but, and I think they're probably like a corner. So I, I've been paying attention to that class really throughout the year. And one of the guys is Greedy Williams. Because it seems like when you look at the mock drafts in December, it's like, oh, he's top five pick. He's the worst, he's top ten pick. And now there's all this talk about, well, I don't know. I don't know if I take him in the first 20, 25 picks of the draft. There's other guys, too. You look at guys like Byron Murphy out of Washington, DeAndre Baker out of Georgia. Even as good as his defensive class is, it doesn't feel like there's any corner that's guaranteed to be a top 20 pick. And I'm curious to see how that all shakes. I actually like Williams. I, if, if anything, I probably watch more SEC football than any other conference and. He always stuck out to me. I thought he was great in LSU, but a lot of people seem to feel like he might slide. Some people think he's not physical enough. He's got some inconsistencies. Uh, I'll be very curious how that shakes out because obviously it's passing game more than it ever has been. Teams need to cut the corners. Yeah, Greedy Williams, we know how well LSU has done developing NFL corners and safeties. They're DBU for a reason. You know, you look at Williams, the guy's 6'3", long arms, can run with receivers, you know, he can really do it all in coverage. You worry about his play strength, you know, he didn't bench very much. He's got very, he's got long arms, but he's got thin arms. Um, so you kind of worry about him in press coverage and, and how well he could hold up and run support. Now run support, it's like really the last thing you worry about if you're going to draft a corner high, but you know, he's got great size, great length and height. You really can't coach it. You're not going to find it in many places. And with so many big 6'2 plus wide receivers in the NFL, you're going to need that extra height. So he's definitely quarterback one for me. But I agree with you. You know, he, he might not hear his name until the late teens or early 20s. Uh, the Steelers stand out for it uh, as a team for me that maybe that's a landing spot for him. But I think he's clearly the top corner on my board. But, you know, this year there's not that elite shutdown corner that's definitely, you know, going in the top five, top ten. But you look at Williams, very good, solid, probably going to start as a rookie, um, you know, going to be a contributor for a long time. DeAndre Baker, really good player at Georgia, got better every year, uh, especially over the last three years. Uh, won the Thorpe last year as a nation's top DB. So um, you don't need to worry about either of those guys. They're battle-tested in the SEC. Um, so they got that stamp of approval. But, you know, he might be a, a late 20s type of guy. You know, he'll probably be in the first round. Byron Murphy, another guy similar. I think all these guys are going in the late 20s or so. Um, but, yeah, doesn't have the great size that uh, that Greedy Williams has, but physical, certainly more physical than the other two guys I mentioned, uh, willing to help out and run support. Um, you know, played for a great Washington defense and a, a Washington defense had a really good secondary. So well-coached there, productive, proven playmaker. But, you know, it's a good class for corners with those three, but – there's not the next Patrick Peterson or something like that in this year's draft. Uh, while we're talking about defensive backs, this is a great time to get to my interview with Andre Howell. I spoke to him. We recorded this on Wednesday. Actually, his podcast has been a, work, uh, a piece of work throughout the week. Uh, and so this is my conversation with Andre Howell, now formerly of the Houston Texans, played five years in the NFL, overcame cancer. And we talk about all that. And yeah, give this a listen. So, Andre, we'll get right into it. First of all, congrats on your retirement. And secondly, only 26 years old, a good player, a starter. Why did you decide to retire now? Uh, I sound kind of funny you said former Texas. That's my first time hearing that. But, uh, 
But uh, yeah, man, I think uh, I think it was time, man. You know, um, the, I kind of lost the love for the game, and I I, I can't I can't continue to play like that. You know, uh, just the my style of play, the way I I, I attack the game, the way I attack my pre- preparation. I felt like I couldn't like continue to prepare like that without the love of the game I had. So I felt like it was just time to you know kind of wrap it up. When did you come to that decision? You know, I've been thinking about it for like the last two months. You know, um, you know, even when I came back to the to the team, you know, from the cancer diagnosis, I just, you know, it just felt it felt it was a different kind of feel for me. You know, um, and when I got you know got back on the field, you know, and then I think after my dad passing, you know, um, me and him had a uh, our relationship was kind of built around football. Like even as a kid, you know, he, he he was the first person to put the ball in my hand. So. When he passed away, you know, that was like a big thing for me, you know, that could be this football, like pretty, pretty much all we had together. So when he passed, it kind of like me and my love of football. Like when he passed, like my love of football kind of passed with him. And when did he pass away? Uh, he passed away. I don't know the exact date, man. I had so much stuff going on at that time, but I think it was in, um, right before the Jacksonville game, like the week before the Jacksonville game, like the week before I came back and played, he, he passed away. Okay. So I guess my curiosity is, look, you come in as a seventh-round pick and you really make a success of yourself to the point that you get a three-year, $15 million extension a few years back. You're a starter. You're a serious contributor for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. Was it a hard decision for you to move on? Um, Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. But like I said, I I couldn't continue to do that to to myself. I had had to be true to myself. I had to be true to the team, you know, um, like I said, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, put the team first. And like, I, I felt like I couldn't prepare the way I wanted to prepare because my heart wasn't in it, in it anymore. And I couldn't I couldn't do it to my team, couldn't do it to the coaches, couldn't do it to the Texan organization. Because, like I said, I, just wouldn't, I wouldn't in it anymore. So I couldn't be the guy that, you know, that goes half-ass, you know what I mean, and just trying to collect the check. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, listen, absolutely. And, you know, I want to talk to you about, because you mentioned it a little bit ago, about the cancer diagnosis. I mean, for anyone who's not aware yeah. of listening to this, you were diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma back in the spring of, of 2018. You come back. You end up playing the last half of last year. Uh, just walk me through, you know, how did you find out? What was that like for you, and how hard was it to get back on the field? Yeah, you know, um, you know, I found out during OTAs, you know, uh, I had, like, some blurred vision, and I went to the hospital, and uh, they ran a, a bunch of tests on me. They uh, seen the Hodgkin's lymphoma. They seen the cancer in my lymph nodes. And um, just from that point, I, I just I had a I had a I was dedicated to get back on the field, and um, you know that dedication, that preparation I took with that, I, it showed me that you know whatever I want to do, I can do it. You know what I mean? That's why when I made this decision, I wasn't afraid to like stop playing football. Like I can do something else and be just as good at it because I know how I know how how to work at it. You know what I mean? I know how much how much, how much amount of work it takes to be good at something. You know, um, because I had to have to do so much work to get over the cancer. Like I had to, you know. Buy hyperbaric chamber, you know, um, you know, do the vitamin C IVs, like you know, eat right. You know, I, I had to really go search with the search for ways to get better. So I think just doing all that searching and doing all that, you know, that preparation and that, I wasn't afraid to like give up football because I knew that the next like my my next life would be, you know, I had it's, it's all about effort, man. I put the effort into anything I do, I'll be successful at it. So I wasn't afraid to just, you know, stop. So you know, I'm curious. Look. You're not the first player, obviously, who's gone through a cancer diagnosis in the NFL recently. Yeah. Of course, Eric Berry also with Hodgkin's lymphoma got through mm-hmm. it. Who are some of the teammates or even some guys just not on Houston but around the general yeah. NFL who talked to you, kind of helped you get through that? Maybe it was a little bit of a sports system. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I talked – like when I first got diagnosed, I talked to Eric Berry, and, um, you know, he said, you know, we all have our different path, you know, through this, you know, through the cancer diagnosis. And, uh, 
man, his path was totally different. You know, he said that at the beginning, say, man, my path gonna be different from your path, but you're gonna learn something from your path. And and he was true. He was right about that. I definitely learned something going through what I went through. I learned, you know, that I can't. I am able to do whatever, whatever I want to do when I, when I put my mind to it. You know. And um, then another guy that really helped me was uh, Aaron Colvin. You know, he big in his faith, and he was my locker. Like he he sat right by, right by me in the locker room, and um, he always like encouraged me. You know, keep me going when I was down. You know, I'm thinking about you know I wanted to get back on the field. You're like man, it's coming. Be patient. Be patient. So that was another guy that really like you know you know boost my help me with my you know with the cancer diagnosis to help me when I got back on the field. You know, because I wouldn't plan as much. So he helped me with that too. Just like okay, Dre, you you just got back, man. You know he. You gotta be patient, man. So he really was like helping you being patient and stuff like that. So yeah, Aaron Coleman was another guy that, that really, you know, you know, helped me with my with that process. You know, I'm curious because you played five years in the NFL and throughout your five yeah. years, for the most part, the Texans were a good team, a playoff team, a division yeah. winner. Uh, what are your best memories from when you played in the NFL? If you had to stick out, you know, one yeah. or two moments, you say, you know what? When I think back in 20 years. That's what I'm gonna think about. What were some of those moments for you? You know, um, just like our DB dinners, man. You know, uh, Kareem Jackson, J. Joe. You know, I, I came in. I came in. No guys like contacted me on their wing and like you know, kind of helped me along my way. You know, being around those guys and like, like I said, our DB dinners. You know, uh, just hanging out in the locker room. You know, we like playing music, man. Just joking on each other, stuff like that, man. That's all. That's all I miss the most. I'm miss the game, but I'm I'm miss the guys the most, man. So that, I think that's one of the biggest things, just, just the guys and the camaraderie. And you mentioned the DB room, and that's a room that's been pretty strong for the Texans. You know, A.J. Yeah. Boye, now, of course, yep. with Jacksonville, but he was in that room. Last year, you have Honey Badger in the room over at, yeah. DB, uh, at safety and, and playing a lot of slot corner as well. Uh, you know, you look at this Texans team now, and mm-hmm. the room's changed a little bit. Obviously, yeah, you are no longer right. on the team. Tyron Matthew leaves for Kansas City, but – uh, still some guys in that room who can play. They added Bradley Roby. How do you see the Texans shaping up this year? I mean, you have a, as good of a look at, at them as anybody. Yeah. What do you see as their potential going into this season? You know, man, um, I know those guys personally, and, and they, they work their bust off, man. Uh, you know, Coach O'Brien, he it's, it's not like that, that organization under him, like he makes sure like guys going to come in and go to work like, no matter what what round you're drafted in, no matter what who you are, like you gonna come to work. And I think the Texans are like on on on, on the grasp of that, like you know, getting to where they want to get to because they have those kind of guys that it don't matter who they are, they're gonna work hard as hell. Like the best player on the team is JJ Watt, and he he works harder than anybody. And like if you see that as, as a young guy, you see your the best player on your team like working his butt off. You you want you gonna want to do that too. So you know, I, I'm very I'm I'm excited to see them boys play next year. Is JJ is JJ Watt the person? that everybody sees and, and believes him to be. I mean, obviously, look, raised so much money for the disaster in Houston with Hurricane Harvey. Seems like the kind of guy that really, you know, the NFL would want to be the face of the NFL. I mean, take me behind the curtain. Who is J.J. Watt from your perspective as someone who was his teammate for many years? Yeah, you know, um, you know, I don't see J.J. as, like, you know, how everybody sees him, you know what I mean? Like, the, you know, the big superstar guy, because he, he's so, like, personable, man. Like, when you really get to know him and – uh I spent a lot. He, he he invites to his house. You know, we hang out with him. Uh, he is he, he that kind of guy that you do that you do want to you know have on your team, man. Because he it don't matter how much money he makes, he goes out there and works his butt off. You know what I mean? And, and when you see per- people work like that, it makes you want to work like that too. Because he he don't, he don't have to do this. You know what I mean? He makes enough money. Like he don't have to do this, but he's he don't he's doing it because he loves it. You know what I mean? He he has he still has the love and passion for the game. And you need guy like that on your team to kind of 
keep your team in line and keep your team in order because he, he, he is that guy. When you look at the AFC, obviously the Patriots have been dominant for what feels like forever, but certainly the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Who are those teams that you think are going to challenge them, or do you still see New England going on as a dominant team for the next mm-hmm. few years to come? You know, uh, they still got Brady, man. They, they definitely have a chance, man. That, that dude is a beast, man. He playing for over 30 years for like, you know what I mean? So <laughs> he's seen he's seen everything, you know what I mean? When, I, when we play against, he's seen everything. Like he he called he called up the coverage that that you you know he just seen everything. But uh, you know, I think the Texans got a great chance, man. Um, they got a lot of great guys. They got a, a one of the best quarterbacks in the league, in, in Deshaun. One of the best receivers in Hopkins. So it didn't Will Fuller coming back. So. I think the Texans really want to give them a run for their money next year, man. Uh, you know, all the other teams they got, they, everybody, every, and everybody looks good on paper right now. You can't really, you can't really say much right now because everybody looks great on paper. You know, the, the Browns looking great on paper right now. They, they added Odell, they added a couple guys, so you know the Browns look real good on paper right now. But like I said, at the end of the day, you got you got to put it on the field and you got to go play. So we'll see how it goes. Do you have any stories from your times playing against New England where you looked across and looked at Brady and maybe just said, "I don't know how to stop him." I don't, I don't know what you do, or, or even any other player for that matter. Is there ever a player that you played against where you just said, "Listen, I'm confident in my abilities. I'm confident in our team, but I don't I don't know what we're doing to stop that guy." Uh, yeah, you know, we, we actually we actually uh practiced against um the Patriots. We uh did like the the joint practice during training camp, and like just practice against the guy. He was so like particular the way he took the field, man. Like he he never like you never seen him like walking the field. He always like ran on the field, you know, it's like just the small things. He, he knew all the details, you know what I mean? And like I said, he played for so long, so he knew everything. He's seen everything. So it's hard to be the guy like that when he's seen everything. Like it's like when you're like a, a dentist. You, if you've been a dentist for 20 years, you're going to be better than a dentist for for a year. So it's just like he's he, he been, he been playing for so long, so he has so much experience. So he's seen everything. So it's hard to beat a guy like that. So you played five years in the league. You're stepping away. You're 26 years old. I mean, you yeah. really do, genuinely, not to be cliche, but you have the world at your fingertips. You can do whatever you want. You can go forward. Mm-hmm. You're healthy. Um, yeah. What is the next step for Andre Hal? What is the next thing uh, now that football is in your rearview mirror? Yeah, I definitely want to continue to help people, man. That's like one of my biggest things, to continue to help people and let people know that, you know, anything is possible for them. You know what I mean? Uh, just from from my perspective, from my, my life, I had – especially from last year, just going through the cancer diagnosis and coming back from that. And, and I, I show a lot of people that anything is possible, man, with, like, just that that preparation, that dedication, that perseverance. And I want to be the guy that people can look up to him like, okay, he did, I can do it too. You know what I mean? And I also want to do, like, some business ventures and stuff. Like, I, I met a lot of people when I was playing football, and like, I met a lot of guys, you know, that that's doing some big things. So I'm definitely going to have that too. But I really want to be a guy that, that shows people anything is possible. You know, last thing from me, Andre, what is one memory you have from the NFL that you would say is a good behind-the-scenes look for a fan of what it's like, whether it be a funny story, whether it be something when you're traveling, whether yeah. it be a story from the huddle? I mean, what is something that makes you laugh when you think, that you, say, you know what, a fan wouldn't see that on TV. You know, a fan wouldn't know that from watching the games. But these think, are the kind uh, of things that make the NFL <laughs> what they are. You know, you know, we have, we have to dress up for games. Like, well, some teams do. With the Texans, you have to, like, dress up for, for the game, like, dress up to get on the airplane. So, I think it was two years ago we had Raheem Moore, and he was, like, one of the funnest guys in the world. And um, <laughs> I forgot who came in. Somebody came in with, like, a, a big baggy suit on, and he, like, was ripping him so hard. And that was the funniest thing ever. I remember that for the rest of my life. But that that's how the NFL is. Like, we are, like, big 
kids. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, we still like kids that's playing the game. So we still joke around with each other. You know, you got to make it fun. Like football is so tough, man, but you got to make it fun. And, and those times in the locker room made it, made, it, made it fun for everybody. Like just talking about each other, man. Just like just having a good time, playing ping pong in, in, in the locker room. Stuff like that, man. That, that was like the best times for me. Well, Andre, congratulations on a terrific career. Thanks a lot for the time. Good luck in retirement, and I'm sure I'll stay in touch. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. I want to thank Andre for coming on. Really appreciate it. The man finally is without a job. He can relax. He can do whatever he wants. And he came out to stack the box. So really want to uh, wish him well going forward. Glad that he's healthy. Glad things are going well. And that's a loss for the Texans. He really has been a starting player and a reliable player for them for a while. With Tyron Matthew leaving, I know they brought him to Sean Gibson, but uh, with him out of the mix, you have to wonder if that affects their draft plans. Uh, he's been a key contributor for them for a while. Uh, but again, thanks to Andre and uh, all the best. Hopefully talk to him down the line. Uh, but Schmidt, let's get back to the draft and, and what we expect. Look, I want to ask you, is there one player that you really love in this draft class that maybe isn't getting the attention that you feel he deserves? I got two for you. Uh, we talk about how great this defensive line group is. Uh, one guy, Ed Oliver, who for some reason seems to be sliding down draft boards um, in the pre-draft process, but... You go back a couple months ago, this was a guy we had pegged at number one in our mock drafts. You know, he and Nick Bosa uh, really all all fall. Uh, we had him pegged as a, a one or number two overall pick. And now you look across the internet, you see the mock drafts. Ed Oliver's going in the late teens. Maybe he's dropping down into the 20s. Man, if I'm a team, if I'm the Giants or something like that, I'm picking six or something like that. I'm, I'm taking Ed Oliver. Uh, the guy is a beast. guy was a man amongst boys at Houston and – you know, he dominated the lower level of competition, but that's what you want to see. You want to see guys dominate and stand out on tape, and, you know, he did exactly that. And uh, the guy's just got elite athletic abilities at his pro day. The guy's running and jumping and lifting his way out of the gym. So I have no concerns about him. You know, he played around 270, 275. He's listed around 280 or so. So there's definitely going to be some teams that are concerned about him holding up over the course of a 16-game schedule. Uh, and whatnot, but man, the guy is jacked up. The guy is a beast. Uh, the guy could play the run. He could play the pass, and just rare elite uh, athletic profile from this guy. And if I'm picking in the top six to top ten, I'm not going to hesitate taking him uh, at all. Uh, my other guy, same position, uh, totally different stories, but uh, Jeffrey Simmons, guy that tore his ACL before the combine. Uh, if he didn't tear his ACL, he's, we're probably talking about him being a top 10 to 15 pick uh, because he did tear his ACL. He's probably going to miss, you know, if not all of his rookie season, definitely a large chunk of it. But, man, he's so good. He's so powerfully built. He's like 6'3", 300. Like, I know this is a lofty comparison, but, man, the power and strength he plays with, it reminds me of Indomitian Sue. And, I mean, I know Sue is probably the best – D-tackle to come out, uh, you know, probably since Warren, uh, Warren Sapp. So, uh, I mean, I know that's high praise. I don't think his ceiling is as high as Indomitian Sue, uh, but the power and the strength and the way he could just dominate uh, offensive linemen and dominate the run game, it's, uh, it's incredible. So, I think there's a team that, uh, you know, if they're picking in the, the late first round or early second round, uh, teams are going to try and position themselves to draft him and, Great player, two-time All-SEC performer, does have some off-field character concerns uh, before coming into uh, Mississippi State, was arrested, found guilty, was punching a woman on videotape, terribly ugly incident. 
Um, you know, at his time at Mississippi State, was clean on and off the field. So um, it's in the past. Certainly it's a, a huge red flag and a black eye on him. Uh, talking about him strictly as a player, though, man has some incredible tape and incredible uh, potential. So if you're a team picking in the, the late 20s, top of the second round, he's a guy that I really, really like. Yeah, Simmons, he was dominant at Mississippi State in the SEC. And if we were talking about earlier, you can dominate in that conference. It's a pretty good precursor for how you're exactly. going to play the pros. Exactly. But you talked about Oliver, and I want to actually mention him. Look, I totally agree with you. Everybody and their mother coming into the year and throughout the first half of the year, oh, this guy's the number one overall pick. This guy's a dominant force, which he was. And you mentioned the weight, and you're right. He plays at a lighter weight than a lot of D tackles, but so does Aaron Donald. Right. Aaron Donald's like 265 pounds. And he's okay. He's a pretty good player, right? Yeah, best like, defensive I, player in the league. He's yeah. all right. You know? Like, at the end of the day, if you have functional strength and you can handle those guys inside, you're going to be okay. And, and I think you're right. You mentioned the Giants. Like, if I'm a team like, like the Giants or if I'm a team like the Lions, mm-hmm. who do you have up front that's better than that guy? The answer is nobody. And especially if you're the Giants, you have two first-round picks. So if you're that desperate for a quarterback, you can get one at 17, which leads me into – Murray's going to go number one at this point. I think it'd be a shock if he doesn't, whether it's the Cardinals or elsewhere, probably Arizona. The rest of these quarterbacks for me are not guys that are worth a first-round pick. I think Haskins is debatable. Locke and, and Jones, to me, they're not worthy of that. But they're gonna, to me, they're going to go in the first round. I, Locke is definitely going in the first round. I think Jones is going to go in the first round. And it almost reminds me of that year, and you'll probably know off the top of your head, I think it was 2011 the Locker, yes. Gabbard, Ponder and here. And just yeah. all those guys just moving up because teams were desperate. and teams. I don't – when I look at the draft, like Oakland wouldn't shock me if they took a quarterback. The Giants certainly wouldn't. The Redskins wouldn't. I don't think the Dolphins will because I think they're intentionally tanking for Tua yeah, and Herbert for next Tua, year. Yeah, for I sure. Think, I think that's kind of their plan here. Um, but, man, I just look at those quarterbacks, and it's such a good deep class. It's so many other positions – and I feel like these teams are just going to say, we could get a Pro Bowl defensive end. We, we could have an all-pro defensive tackle, but we're going to take Daniel Jones because we need a quarterback, and it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, I agree with you. The, you know, I, I think I like Haskins a little bit more than uh, you might at this point. Um, Murray, we, we could have a whole podcast just on him alone, but uh, I agree with you. I, if he's going one to Arizona, maybe Oakland trades up because they got some uh, extra draft capital to do so. Uh, if they want to go that route. But uh, Haskins, I really like him. I don't know if the Giants love him or not, but Haskins, I mean, 50 touchdowns last year in his first year as a starter. I think the biggest knock or concern maybe for for teams potentially drafting a quarterback this year is just the one year of experience there. So, you know, if you're drafting a quarterback, you want to see like 25 starts or something like that. You want to see him against a number of different teams, a number of different situations. So, uh, but I like Haskins, and I think you know I'd really like him if he goes to a position where, uh, or a team where he could sit for a year. You know the whole uh, Patrick Mahomes model. Uh, I think that would do him wonders. Uh, but yeah, outside of Haskins, Drew Locke, man, he's he's probably going to go in the top fifty. Something you probably do know: Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto; they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? The average garage door is made up of 1.3 millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know? Your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know? A runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. 
Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Team, just because of what you were saying, teams are going to be desperate and overdraft on him. You know, if you're ranking the prospects overall, Drew Locke's probably, you know, 30th best prospect, 25th best prospect. And like you said, you could get some safer, surefire picks on the defensive line, maybe even offensive tackle, um, and some of the other deeper positions uh, in this draft. So, you know, Locke is going to go higher than he should. I don't really love his game. He does some things, and he has some games. You're like, wow, this guy is going to be really good. You know, he's got some great arm talent. And then, you know, two plays later, two drives later, like, oh, boy, that was an ugly play. That was an ugly interception. So he's got some Jay Cutler to his game, and that's not exactly a compliment. Uh, But he's going to go in the first round, and Daniel Jones, bless him, I could see the Giants with that second first-round pick taking him. Oh, it's going to happen. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we see a lot of Eli Manning and Daniel Jones and you know, both coached up by David Cockcliffe, uh, yep. the Duke head coach. So, it's uh, you know, Daniel Jones does not have great arm talent at all. He's a little bit of an athlete. Uh, but, man, Daniel Jones, like he looks like the, a career backup quarterback. You know, a guy that could start a couple games for you here and there. But, man, if he's got a start for you – that's that's bad news, but wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the first round. I'd probably be surprised if we see a fifth quarterback go. I don't think Will yeah, Greer is going to get yeah. in that mix, but yeah, really, it's Kyler Murray, who exceptional talent, but a, a big wild card, and Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is a safer quarterback pick than I'd say Kyler Murray is, but you know you might have to wait a year for it, and then beyond that, I'm waiting until next year to take Herbert or Tua. Or the year after that and, and take Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, no, I, you know, I was down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl and got to watch, all, you know, well, not, not all these guys, but got to watch Locke and got to watch Jones up close and personal. And Jones is a, is a tall guy. Yeah. Uh, I believe he's 6'5", but, yeah. but he's, not, he's not big. He's kind of built like a beanstalk. And going through his career, he's had injuries, broken collarbone. And I, I get it. You mentioned he is a little bit of an athlete. He can move around some. But I watched some of his tape after seeing him in Mobile, and I just don't see a guy that I'm really excited about drafting. He's not somebody who's going to push the ball down the field. He's not somebody who's going to stand in there and get hit like you know Roethlisberger has over the course of his career and be able to take that pounding. But you're right, man. I, I look at him, I just keep thinking of the Giants because David Cutcliffe, he's got that connection with Manning. He's got, and, and you know Manning saying, hey, look, I could groom this kid. I can make it work. And then – the worst kept secret in the world out of Mobile is that the Broncos love Locke. Now, whether they take him, we'll see. But they love him. Always enamored with him because he's a big kid with a strong arm. Never mind the fact that in the SEC, he barely completed half his passes. Uh, and and I, look, I get it. Mizzou is not Alabama. Like, they're outclassed by some of these teams. But if you're going to be a top 10 pick as a quarterback, you better be able to complete more than 48% of your passes against Alabama. Yeah, because, he, he led the nation in touchdowns a couple years ago, but... He didn't improve on that. Last year at career lows and completion percentage, yards, touchdowns. Like, that's not exactly the trend you want leaving college and coming into the NFL. But, yeah, I hear you. Teams are going to look at the positives that he can do and totally overlook all the uh, the red flags or concerns or shortcomings that he has. And, you know, if he goes to Denver, they got the 10th pick, I think. Yep. If, you know, I know they got Joe Flacco. He's obviously not the long-term solution, but the Broncos, Elway, they, they've – tried to find quarterbacks in the draft and 
failed spectacularly, whether it be in the first round with Paxton Lynch or, or, Mr. Irre- or Mr. Irrelevant with Chad Kelly, and uh, it hasn't worked. Drew Locke, could he be uh, the answer when Joe Flacco was inevitably benched in mid-October? <laughs> Maybe. Um, and, you know, he, he does have a big arm. He could make some throws. And, hey, I, I liken him to Cutler, so if he does go to Denver, uh, they'll kind of know what they're getting there. Yeah, and you're right, always whiffed on past quarterbacks, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler. Um, oh, how could I forget about Brock? Oh, God. Brock, Arizona State's finest. Oof. Speaking yeah. of that, and actually, this is the last thing I wanted to get to was the receivers in this class because I think there's this narrative that the receivers aren't good in this class, but it seems as though there are some guys who could be later first-round picks, high second-round picks. Talking about Arizona State, Nikhil Harry, he's somebody who's really intriguing to me, interesting athlete there. And then Ole Miss is a few guys. DK Metcalf, who has one of the weirdest combines I've ever seen. I was in Indianapolis. Absolutely tore up the 40. The bench was ridiculous. There's stories going around. He's got like 1.5% body fat, which, by the way, is a complete fallacy. Hey, same here. Me too. Okay, he would be dead if he had 1.5% body fat. So, But regardless, the man shredded. But then on anything that he has to turn, he he was like the 98th percentile. So it was not good. Uh, Or I guess you want to look at it the other way, like the second percentile. He he turns like a truck in a cul-de-sac. So you got him, you got A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss, who actually was more productive than Metcalf in college. And then there's Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma, who I actually think if, if I was a GM and I was picking a receiver, he to me is the most intriguing guy because he's an incredible athlete. Um, but your thoughts, you obviously saw these guys much more than I did throughout their college careers. Uh, who do you like out of the receiver group and who do you think might be a little bit of a bust? Yeah, let's start with my favorite guy. And those were some some nice points about uh, Hollywood there. If he doesn't have that Liz Frank injury, I think he's going in that like, he's like 15 10 to like yeah. high teens range, yeah. you know, without looking at the teams and where they're at. Like he's like that 12, 13, 14, 15th type prospect there. I mean, he's tiny. He's very tiny. He's like five, nine. He was listed about a buck 65, but you know, when you talk about Hollywood Brown, you talk about Deshaun Jackson. I mean, an absolute speed demon, a guy that, you know, you line up in the slot, you line up out wide. He's going to take the top off the defense. He's going to go uh, and catch you a 60, 70-yard touchdown. He scores in six seconds. So that's the type of player he is. He's not going to help you in the return game. Uh, he's really not going to help you in a lot of other routes, you know, the intermediate, the short games. He's not going to do that yet. Uh, and the injury, it's, it's a big concern. So, yeah, it's, it's intriguing. I thought that was the perfect word to say for him because when healthy, he could be a top 15 pick. Because of this injury, I have no idea really where he's going to go. But Deshaun Jackson went, uh, I think he was like a 35, 36th right, overall pick, top yeah. of the second round. Uh, that's probably where Brown is, is going to go. And I think he's going to be a good pro who, who uh, you know, has a lot of long touchdowns in his career. Uh, but my favorite wide receiver in this class is Nikhil Harry. Uh, big time production, Pac-12. They're the, the passing conference that in the Big 12. So uh, big time production, ran a number of routes. Good size, about 6'2", 228 or so. Uh, he's not a speed demon by any stretch, but when you're 6'2", 228, you don't really need to be. Like, you know, there's only one Julio Jones in the world. Um, but a really good player, competitive. When you talk about this guy, like, I love how he fights for the ball. Like, he's never uh, going to let the DB or the safety, like, outbody him for position to get that ball. He's going to win you jump balls. He's going to dominate in the red zone. Uh, the guy can... You know, I don't, I don't want to say he could do it all, but he's the wide receiver that checks the most boxes for me this year. 
And, you know, he's probably going to be the – I want to say he's going to be the first receiver taken, but that might not be until, you know, pick 18, pick 20, yeah. something like that. Uh, but those Ole Miss guys, yeah, DK Metcalf, this is – I'm, I'm not taking DK Metcalf. If my favorite team drafts DK Metcalf, I'm going to be upset and I'm going to be like those old, like, uh, Jets fans at Radio City Music Hall where they're just – they're ready to riot and, you know <laughs> – but, yeah, I mean, you, you said it, that, that viral photo uh, before the combine. Dude, his shredded looks like Mr. Olympia. Uh, but that's not a good thing. You know, he is not a natural fluid athlete, and that's really the most important thing uh, for a wide receiver. It's probably the, the first or second toughest position to play or uh, most demanding uh, from an athletic standpoint. And, you know, he could run a straight line really fast, so put him out there, run a go route, he'll, he'll bring that down for you, but... Uh, you know, running a, a full-on route tree, coming in and out of his breaks. Man, the, the guy had a, a slower short shuttle time and cone time than Tom Brady. Like, that's the type of uh, agility we're talking about there. But, you know, he also battled injuries, uh, you know, for a couple years at Ole Miss. So uh, I worry about that. Guys who are injured in college are going to be injured in the pro. So uh, I'm not drafting him, but I'm also not a general manager, and I don't have uh, control of a war room. So he's probably going to go in the first round, but – you said it at the top. A.J. Brown is a much safer, much better prospect out of Ole Miss. Uh, guy was a warrior out of the slot. And we see so many of these offenses now. Like, the slot receiver is kind of like the go-to guy, like Jarvis Landry. Um, is kind of, you know, the player that I, I kind of liken him to. Just a, a warrior uh, in the middle of the field, you know, over the field, on, on the perimeter, on the boundary, wherever it may be. Um, and he set the single season uh, Ole Miss record there last year with like 1,300 plus yards on like 85 catches. So uh, the guy's productive, uh, you know, was the best player in one of the best passing offenses last year in the SEC, in the country really. Um, but yeah, a little bit overshadowed by DK Metcalf here in the, uh, the lead up to the draft. But if I had to take one of those two guys, I'm taking AJ Brown all day over DK Metcalf. Yeah, I agree. And I, I look forward to whatever team drafts DK Metcalf in about two years, the story's starting to come out like, well, he just can never get separation. Well, yeah. yeah, of course he can't get separation. He can't turn. Yeah. But, listen, it's going to be fascinating. Obviously, we have a few more weeks leading up to it, and we're going to have a whole draft show on fanside.com. Check it out on the Facebook Live page, um, and I'll give more details about that as we get closer. But we're going to have all kinds of stuff going on. We're going to have great coverage in, in just the editorial sense as well. Um, we are going to be loaded to the hilt. So Fanside is going to be a one-stop shop. Uh, for all of your NFL draft needs. And, of course, I want to thank again Mr. Patrick Schmidt, who is our college football senior editor and also our NFL draft expert. Also our college basketball editor and handling the Final Four. Uh, yeah, so man, it's been a wild, wild few weeks. <laughs> prediction, who's winning the Final Four? Man, I like Virginia. I think, like Virginia's, Virginia. I think Virginia over Michigan State, from I get, think. From getting beat. As a, by a 16 seed a year ago to win in it all. That would it's be redemption. the redemption story. Bennett. It's going to be uh, one of the greater stories we've seen in recent sports history. But, uh, yeah, like the Cavs taking out uh, the <laughs> Spartans. I will take the Spartans. I, I trust Tom Izzo. It's not a bad pick. Um, listen, we want to thank our sponsors at Fanatics, by the way. Go to fanside.fanatics.com. Save 20% on shipping when you type in the code FANSIDED. You can get all your gear, all your different teams. Of course, we just talked about the Final Four. Somebody's going to have a whole bunch of new stuff coming out with championship hats and T-shirts and all the rest of it. So make sure to go there. They will take care of you. Um, we will be back next week. We have plenty to talk about. More NFL draft, maybe even some free agency fallout. A couple more guys signed. The Indomitian 2 watch continues. 
Uh, but we will have all that and much more. Hope you enjoyed the spot with Andre Hal. It's going to be a new wrinkle here. Stack in the box. Going to try to get a player on or coach on every week. Give you a little insight, insight into the league. So, for Patrick Schmidt, I am Matt Verderam. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe on iTunes. Give us a follow at Stack in the Box on Twitter. And we'll talk to you again next week. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto. They offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? The average garage door is made up of 1.3 millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know? Your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know? A runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.